0: If it doesn't work, you're just not using
1: enough. You're listening to SoftRep Radio, special operations military news, and straight talk with the guys in the community.
0: Hey, what's going on? This is Rad with SoftRep Radio, and I am excited... To introduce my first guest, Jake Zwig, former U.S. Navy SEAL, football coach, and entrepreneur. I have to put that out there. Jake, welcome to Soft Rep Radio. Glad to have you.
1: Rad, good to be on the first fucking show. Hopefully you don't break this motherfucker and they don't kick us off. You know, that's the beauty of the. You know, we don't have to deal with the FCC Dealing with all the cuss words and everything. So I'm glad to have me, man. I'm glad you having me. You know, Brandon fucking the web having me and soft rep. It's been a while since I done tore up some soft rep shit now.
0: Well, it's always a pleasure. You know, I get the opportunity to go around and host like boxing events for soft rep where it's Navy SEALs versus SAS in London, or, you know, I'm going out and meeting with You know, Charlie from the SEAL team in New York who has Charlie Mike Precision and interviewing these guys, meeting people like yourself and just getting to know you. And speaking of that, I know a little bit about you. And before I got this lined up to meet you, I was like, why do I know you? I'm looking at you as we're talking yesterday because we had some technical difficulties. And I was like, oh, I know you're from the survival show. Dude, you're screwed. And I have to say, I just love watching you make your way through the episodes. Tell me, how did you get cast in that?
1: So, man, that's one of them crazy-ass stories, man. So I'm going to put it to you this way. I volunteered. I put my name in to go on Top Shot Season 3, okay? I thought it was like a legit-ass competition. So I just put a, sent him an email, Black Navy SEAL, Naval Academy graduate, college football coach. No bullshit. My phone rang two minutes later. Okay, We want you on the show. Okay, cool. So I went out to the tryouts. The tryouts were bullshit. I told them they were bullshit. I left. They called me said, you made the show. I got excited. <laughs> Showed up to the show. The whole thing's fucking rigged. The whole TV show rigged. They know who's winning the TV show the second that they start filming it. And they make sure, sure. that that person gets to win. Period. Like, that's that's the name of the game. So anyway... I walked off that TV show episode ten because I had told them, "If you give me a fucking gun that don't work again, I'm out of here." Okay, right. So they gave they gave me a gun that didn't work. Rad. I fucking threw up the peace sign and rolled up off the show. Well, the episode before I rolled off had two point four million viewers. That's pretty good. And what year was this? Two thousand eleven. Yeah, that's good. Yo. Yeah. How many people you think the episode after I rolled off the TV show had? How many? How many people you think left after I left? You tell me. I bet you half. One point five million people left the TV show, and they were That's left close. with they were left with nine hundred thousand viewers and got canceled that week.
0: It seems like you just weren't going to put up with any falsehoods going on.
1: Yeah, I just I had enough, man. Like I lasted ten weeks of just utter bullshit. Guns not working, them changing the sights, them filing the filing pin, the firing pin down them, like, you know, making the targets different sizes, them moving the targets like you name it. They try to manipulate the situation. Right. So I just I had enough. Right. So the next week after that episode aired and it did nine hundred thousand, I got like seven phone calls. I listen, man. Nobody walk off no TV show and take 1.5 million viewers with them. nobody, right? Your phone's never going to stop ringing to do TV. So, you know, like I'll be honest with you, I was doing TV because I wanted a TV show as a head coach for football, I was doing it kind of as an exploratory deal. I had met the people from Cake Boss to one of my buddies in wrestling, so I was really just trying to learn about the industry, okay. Uh So after that TV show, I probably got 30 phone calls. Hey, man, we want you on this TV show. Great. Whatever. I was still coaching football. So it wasn't like my availability was very high, right?
0: Right. Yeah, because coaching football has got to be super demanding.
1: Yeah, you know. So I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, so it would always be the same thing. Hey, man, we want you to come out here for this. Are you paying me? No, we're not going to pay you. We're going to give you a chance to try out. You know, I don't try out for shit. Talk to you later. Okay. So... I had like 30 of these phone calls. I'm not one of them guys that give two shits about being on TV, you know, other than the groupies are cool, but you know, I'm married. So I got, even that gets you in trouble. But you know, like the whole TV allure was just bullshit. It just was to me. Like it it, it didn't serve a lot of value to me. So I sit in the crib, man, on like a Thursday and the phone ring. Hey, is this
0: Chase Wayne?
1: Yeah, man. What's up? He's like,
0: I'm going to put you on this TV show.
1: I was like, really? You know, because I heard this shit 30 times. So I'm like, hey, man, listen, I don't do shit unless you're paying me. Okay.
0: Now, are you represented by, like, a management group right now at this point? Does, do you have wow. somebody that's working on your best interests? No, because I don't care
1: enough about it. Like, I don't I don't care. Like,
0: <laughs> So these are just direct calls, you and the producers. Yeah.
1: And I got a lawyer. Like I got to send this shit to the lawyer, the contract to a right. lawyer, and I always take their 50-page contracts and turn them into, like, one page. And if right. you don't have my one page contract, then like other than the, yeah, the, the word
0: perpetuity is. Weekend,
1: yeah, like <laughs> yeah I, just, right. I don't have time for it. So, anyway, little tiny squeaky dude says, Hey, we're going to put you on this TV show. I need you in Denver on Saturday or Friday. This next day, I said, Hey, bro, I'm not going nowhere unless you give me some money. He said, I'll give you $3,000 to come out there for the weekend. So I was like, Oh, okay. So then he sent me a contract yeah. that day. I signed a contract. I'm sending my lawyer to sign a contract. Friday morning, I was on a plane headed to Denver. Didn't know what it was. Didn't know nothing. I just knew that it was something, something to do outside. So I get out there, and, they, like, there was a bus that left at 6 for a group, and there was a bus that left at noon, okay? And I got on the bus that left at 6 because I'm a special operations dude. I wasn't supposed to be on the bus until noon, but, you know, I'm going to get on the bus 6. So I was out there. They had all sure. these nuts and berries dudes, like just out there doing dumbass survival shit, right? So I'm out there. I grew up in survival, like I tell everybody, my dad was a survivalist. So at six years old, I grew up in survival. Like I didn't, I didn't matriculate into survival and in gr- at graduate level as most of the people in the industry do. I grew up in. It, okay, and there's a huge difference when you grow up in something because you can smell bullshit from 10 miles away. Sure. So we would just sit, I was just sitting around just observing, kind of quiet, right? And this dude, I forget his name, man. He's an E6 in the Navy, uh, Native American dude, came back with his fucking fish. And he was like, I I caught this fish. It was a little brook trout, like a 10-inch brook trout, right? And I'm looking at this shit. I'm like, this motherfucker ain't catch no fish with his hands. So he talking about explaining in front of the camera how he snuck up on this fish and he uses Indian skills to reach in the water and grab this fish. And I don't know what it was. I just had enough, man. I was like, hey, man, listen, like if they're shooting, I'm like, hey, man, listen, stop this bullshit. And tell them what really fucking happened. And the dude was like, oh, uh, uh. I said, go ahead, man, because I know you didn't catch it with your fucking hand, man. So then all the TV people were looking at me like, be quiet. I'm like, man, fuck this, man. You ain't catch that fish with your fucking hand. And he looked at me and he was like, it was dead and it was floating down the river. And I said, I knew it. Like I started yelling this shit. So everybody turned around and looked at me. I fucked up the whole little (laughs) shoot about how he caught this fish with his hand, right? So then I was just, I was kind of quiet. So here come little squeaky dude, right? five foot tall, little tiny executive from Animal on planet named Scott.
0: Hey, 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 everybody, I'm here.
1: Now we're in the middle of the woods. Now dude got a three-piece suit on. So I'm like, oh, that's the dude that got me out here. So he walked around for about 30 minutes, talked to everybody. I pulled him to the side. I said, hey, man. I said, what the fuck am I doing out here with all these people, man? I was like, like, one of us don't look the same as, as the rest of these nuts and berries motherfuckers you got out here. And he looked at me, he's like, (laughs) he said, ain't nobody gonna watch them on TV, Jake. Ain't nobody gonna watch them. But they gonna watch you on TV. I heard how you fucked up Trout. I heard it. That's why you're here. (laughs) He said, you just do what you want. Have fun. Go be a TV show. And that was it, man. That's how I ended up on Dude, you Screw, man. You know, the other, there was three Terry, John... They had already shot some of the pilot and stuff like that. I literally showed up to the first episode. They were like, who the fuck are you? I said, bro, I'm I'm Jake, man. They got me on this motherfucker. I don't know what I'm doing here either. I asked the same fucking question, you know? So that's how I ended up on Do Your Screw. We ran rough shot through it for the first season, you know, and then the networks being the networks being stupid. You know, they didn't they wanted more of a country white feel to the show. And so, so I went from being seventy percent of the show down to about thirty percent, and the show didn't do very well the second season.
0: Yeah, right now I've seen your episodes. You know, I know what's up. I saw you get like I think that uh, Terry and the guys turned into like football players, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think that those was are my solid
1: football that was solid. Players. So cheat code, right? So no spoilers. Oh, I'm not co- trying to give spoilers. <laughs> I was coaching all that time, right? Right. That TV show right there allowed me to recruit a Mac level class at FCS. Sure. Like it helped me so much in recruiting, but I did it on purpose, right? Like it was in my contract that I could wear incarnate word football gear at least every other show. So if you watch it, like every other show, I got incarnate word
0: gear. You're a team builder. Sure. Cause you build teams, right? I mean, that's your, that's your yep. mental toughness, bro. You're just like, you know that a shortstop needs to play a certain way. You know, like, you know, this position needs to have you gotta have positions. You gotta have the quarterback who's gonna take control of the situation and say, Hey, I'm calling the plays. The plays are coming from from my guy to me to you, you know, like that position. You yeah. know, so
1: Yeah, you gotta have you gotta be able to build a team the right way, man. You know, you can't That's right. I know, never gotta play football, Jake. My mom and dad I mean,
0: thought yeah. that I'd break a pinky finger or something, you know, and it wouldn't set back normal. I'm 6'5", five and I weigh two eighty. Where would you put me on a line? What would you do with me at 6'5", 280?
1: It depends if you're a pussy or not. I got a lot of 6'5". Nah, well, I'm so, I'm a softie. We'll see. Then there ain't no place for you in my field, man, because we smash
0: the motherfuckers' <laughs> heads in. Straight up. All man. right, well, let's say there's like, like let's say the we can thing, smash right? some heads. Yeah, 6'5", it, 280. Where would you put that guy?
1: Uh, I mean, like, dog, he's going to get cut, bro. If you soft, you're getting cut on my football team. That's it. Unless you're a kicker or a punter, bro. If you're soft, you're getting cut. But see, here's the deal. I don't have soft teams. I don't. Because I'm not a soft person. I won't allow soft behavior. I won't allow bad body language. I won't allow shitty leadership. Like, you get your ass fired. Quick. You know? And that's the sure. thing. Like, like in the this, in this situation I'm in now, man, like, I built the whole team. I built all 80 people. I hired every one of them. We don't have no problems, man. We number one in Texas. Don't have no problems. Well, that's right? outstanding. Yeah. And congratulations. That's Yeah, just a testament
0: to your leadership.
1: I mean, I, you know, I always say the same thing. It's a testament to the team, right? I don't have nothing to do with it. Right. I well, tell everybody. I could not go to work for a year right now. We'd be just fine. Because I got a, I got a 21-year-old rock star running my business right now. I got a general manager who is running all the operation stuff. He's running all the back channel stuff. She's running the whole fucking business. She's 21, ain't even graduated from college. Rock star. She's going to do this for probably two, two and
0: a half. Well, if you surround yourself with good people.
1: Yeah, but that's what I do best, right? Like, I know what great superstars look like, you know? I got a methodology for teaching what superstars look like. But see, here's what I tell everybody in America, man. America is one of them countries that, like, we have so many internal biases built into how we were raised, how we look at people, what we expect from people. That we can't cut through all the bullshit and just see the great people, right? Like this girl got tattoos on her arms. If you saw her on the street, she probably gonna have on spandex leggings, a sports bra, and a fucking tight t-shirt, and you're gonna say, "Man, she ain't worth shit." And I got her over here running an eight million dollar company, and she graduated from college in August. Sure, right? Because well, that's I didn't not, look. That's
0: I agree with that. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, don't look judge. At none of that. You can't judge. No.
1: I didn't look at none of that stuff. I just looked at her performance.
0: No. Her Correct. performance
1: was good. I kept giving her more to eat. She kept eating. Performance stayed good. I kept giving her more shit. Right? Like, like she right. does more than I do right now. She does probably 90% of the business running stuff other than the little stuff that I'm still tidying up, like insurance and some a couple other loose ends, like the telephones. We have some problems with the telephones and, and insurance. Okay. But as far as like payroll, she do all the payroll by herself right. as far as scheduling, as far as leadership, because I'm going to groom the shit out of her. In two years, she'll have so much fucking leadership experience and work experience. When I send her to Harvard or Stanford, it's going to be curtains, bro. She's going to come out of there and be somebody's COO and get groomed to be a CEO. And she's going to be 30 years old running some Fortune 500 company. And she's going to look back and she's just going to be like, yeah, it was crazy, man. It took a chance on me, but I didn't take a chance on her. I knew what I had from the beginning.
0: Right. And you know, it's great because you're going to have people who are in your life who are going to be successful and you can't control them, especially if they're entrepreneurs at heart. They're just going to go and be that entrepreneur. But if they can come into your life and just help you and get your business to a certain level and then they step off, that's that's good for me because I also run a business that's how we treat it as a pedestal to the next step. So you're really just grooming them for a successful career, a positive mindset. You could do this. You can achieve it. You don't have to be any color to get this. You can just do it yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had somebody, you know, it was interesting. We had somebody that got upset that the whole management team was minority, right? And I was like, that's interesting. I said, what about this person over here? And they were like, oh, but that's only one person. I said, but so then the whole team isn't minorities. Well, all of the major players are
0: minorities. Well, speaking of teams, I hear what you're saying. And and you know, being, you know, someone on the teams, being black, you know, did you have to deal with anything that you felt was less like were the doors open for you the same as everybody else uh getting into the seals? Like, do you think that you had to go oh, over extra man. hurdles because Come
1: on. You ain't watched. You no, ain't watch my black man through the meat grinder video, have you, Rad? I will though. No, I haven't. Watch, tell me. You can watch tell that me. YouTube video. It'll answer all that questions. So here's the here's it's called meat, meat grinder.
0: grinder. What's it called? Tell me that video. Tell us the video so we can watch it.
1: A black man's journey through the the meat grinder. United States Navy Seal train. Why'd you choose to call it the meat grinder? Because it is. It, it chews up people's souls, right? Like it turns grown men into babies and steals their souls for life. Like, it's a soul-stealing institution. It just really is. And it just chews you up. So you're just getting chewed up. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would say that the psychological damage it does to the people that don't make it is lifetime, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I just did this world-class interview with a former captain of the Tennessee swim team Mm -hmm. that didn't make it. And the whole culminating point was, he said, I was staring down the breach of death and I couldn't get in the chamber. Right, I couldn't take that step into death, and I was I was kind of like, yeah, bro, you definitely gonna have to go there in SEAL training, right? I passed out in the swimming pool. I knew I was passing out for five minutes. Hmm. Hey, bro, I what somehow happened? I passed the evolution after I passed out. Okay, I'm not underwater. All the thunder of the video, but yeah, like, bro, you're gonna get pushed to the limits now, you know. And and I I had a comment today on my YouTube that was kind of interesting. It was pretty funny, right? The guy was like, hey, man, you got to have a lot of trust in the instructors that they're going to push you right up to the edge, but they know when to bring you back. And I had to comment to do it. I said, hey, bro, you full of fucking shit. I saw 20 people get CPR in my class. 20. Not pass out in the water, come up, revive when they hit the air, all that shit. Breaking ribs. I'm talking about fucking CPR, breaths, and chest compressions. Okay. Yeah. And then I tied it off. I, I, I tied off my little comment at the end. I said, hey, I said, the class behind me had two people die in two weeks. Two. So, no, they're not taking you to the edge. they pushing you all the way fucking past it and hoping that they can bring you back.
0: Yeah, they are. You know, like real,
1: real talk, right? Like, and that's the yeah. part of it. Where you know seal training, and and I tell everybody, man, I just talked to one of my bangers yesterday in the seal teams, man, and it was so funny because I have a saying that buds is kindergarten, bro. It's kindergarten, okay? And you go from kindergarten to SQT, which is the qualifying qualifying course, which I mean, really, it, it's really still like middle school, maybe fifth grade, and you step out of that course into the seal teams, and you in the fucking NFL. And so people don't believe me. They they're like, oh man, like I don't know. So I asked him, I said, hey man, was my relationship right? Uh preschool to or kindergarten to the NFL. He was like, right. hey. he was like, when you were telling me that and I was in buzz, I was like, man, it's not possible. He said, I got to SQT. I was like, yo, it's not
0: possible. It's fifth grade. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yo, I just, got, yeah. I just
1: got done. He just got done with ULT and he, you know, he getting ready to go on deployment.
0: Tell me what ULT was, stands for. So my listeners, so they know uh, what's ULT? ULT.
1: I don't even know. I think it's unit level training. If I'm not mistaken, okay. ULT okay. Unit level training, but it's all the training you have to go on before they stamp you combat ready and do, to go on deployment. Okay. And like, you got to realize we got 20 years of fucking hard and killing in the SEAL teams. So the motherfuckers running training are savages now. Like, they're going to give you the best of the best, the worst of the worst training. Right. And he was like, yo, he was like, I did 20 things in, in ULT that made Hell Week look easy. I said, yeah, bro. He said, bro, like, I don't even know if the NFL is justification or not. And he said, I ain't been to combat. You know, I ain't been to combat. And it's but like I'm... you've already put
0: yourself through so much, and you're
1: not even going to combat yet. He ain't even been to the show. Right. And I'm not trying to talk like I've been to the show, but I got shot in high school. No, I got man. you. Okay? i ain't yeah. been to the show either, like official fucking combat. But I got a bullet in my in my fucking hip from high school. Right. And all the stakes change when you get shot at. They just do. And so, you know, like there ain't no such thing as fucking laying down on the ground, calling time out. None of that shit, man. You know, the Mike Day story, like Mike Day. Like I know Mike. The motherfucker got shot 27 times and still killed four people. Okay, his will to survive and not die was massively greater than the four motherfuckers that continually shot him.
0: And they died. They died. He didn't die. No. He
1: killed all of them. Like, he didn't have a fucking (laughs) gun. He didn't have a gun. Like, you know what I'm saying? He got shot 27 times, Red.
0: That's insane. But
1: that's the part that like, that's the part that everybody. That's why, like, right now we having this massive kind of massive shift. In the train of thought with young people in America, right? And I call it just this fucking flat out crack smoking ass delusionalness that they can do anything that they set their minds to, okay? Now, you, how, you, you, you roughly probably early 40s. How old are you?
0: Yeah, 77, 44. 77. So, age, so
1: Right? You in the mid 40s, yeah, I'm we, in the late 40s, I'm in the 50s, okay? So, back yeah. when we were coming up, Like, if you made that statement, I'm going to be a fucking astronaut, you knew that there was a fucking cataclysmic fucking amount of hard work that you had to do to achieve that fucking goal, right? Right. These motherfuckers watch YouTube all day and Instagram, and they see Navy SEALs, and they're like, oh, I can do that. But they don't ever equate hard work to getting that goal. And so they're
0: fucking delusional. uh They're delusional. It is. It is. It is. I like to keep my social media about me. Like I'm not trying to put anything out there other than, but when someone sees like the Hollywood photo of a seal climbing out of the water and they're like, Oh, I could do that. Yeah. You could probably come out of the water and look like that, but there's a whole cataclysmic of events that have happened to lead that person. Who's actually the seal to go through the buds, the UTL that you just talked about all of that schooling and training to come out of that water for that photo shot.
1: That's the funny part, right? Because they don't even get to the water. They don't even get to the water. They don't, They get the heads, cut as soon as they enlist. They don't get to training.
0: They don't even get to buds anymore. Like like the whole thing is... is they just get pre-qualified a recruiter that's specific for special warfare that goes around looking at all the high schoolers and says, hey, you have a chance. Uh-uh,
1: uh-uh. It's the exact opposite. The Navy's using it as a recruiting tool. So everybody Uh can be a Navy SEAL. A need of the Navy. Yeah, the Air Force uses it. Absolutely. Hey, I tell people in the Air Force. I want to be a Navy SEAL. The first thing the recruiter says, I got, oh, hell yeah. I can get you in there. I'll get you ready. Sign on the dotted line, man. We'll get you in there. Hey, you got to pick a rate first. It don't matter what you pick because you're going to be an SO when you get done. So whatever you want to pick. Hey, I got a great asset. I need of the Navy. I'm going to be new power. Okay, Cool. Boom, sign y'all up, get you ready to go. Hey, you got to go see the dive motivator. You know, you go to the dive motivator or the SEAL, I don't know what the fuck they call it now, the SEAL workout dude, and he works you out for three weeks, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. They sign you up, get you on the bus. Right. Send you down range to boot camp, and you fail the first fucking PT test, and they're like, hey, bud, you going to new power school. And these motherfucking right. idiots. Something else. Yeah, like. Need of the Navy. All right, I'm going to tell you this fucking savage-ass story, okay? This, this <laughs> just happened, okay? Well, not just, but relatively just happened, okay? So I get a lot of phone calls. I get a lot of YouTube requests. I got a lot of emails, okay? So there's a football player that I know from the Naval Academy who's an 06 in the Marine Corps. And so I was on LinkedIn. It was Sunday afternoon about 3 o'clock. I just was checking my LinkedIn. I saw a message from my man, Quint. I said, Dan, Quinn's like, look, I need you to call me immediately. I need some help. I got a cousin going to make a really bad mistake, whatever. Woo, woo, woo. Right? So I picked the phone up. I called Quinn. What the fuck is going on, bro? He said, man, my cousin is enlisting in the Navy as a Navy SEAL. So I was like, all right, cool. What's the big deal? He got a 3.8 from Middlebury College. Okay? The third or fourth liberal arts school in the country in biochemical engineering and chemistry. I said, oh, yeah, he about to make a mistake, right? So, boom, I get his phone number. I call him. He in the hotel flying out to boot camp tomorrow morning. (laughs) So I call him. I talk to him for about five minutes. I say, hey, man, I need your mom and dad's phone number. I get his mom and dad's phone number. They over in Oakland. I call his mom and dad. I say, hey, start heading to San Jose. It's about an hour and a half, right? Start heading to. What's going on? I said, don't worry about that. I'll have it taken care of by the time you get there. So I talked to this young man, very articulate, very smart, African-American, fucking got his shit together. And he was convinced with an 11-minute, 500-yard swim and a 10-minute, mile-and-a-half time that he he was going to get to go to basic training and work out the whole time for SEALs. So an hour-and-a-half later, I had convinced him otherwise. And I managed to get him to run out of the hotel, down the fire escape, and dive into his mom and dad's car and drive home. Okay? He called me last Saturday. He was back in the same hotel. Only this time he goes Holiday to o- probably. Going, going to OCS and the Marine Corps to fly so, okay. on a flight contract.
0: Okay? To fly something.
1: To fly yeah. something. But... We are officers. Of we're going to use our college degree. But yeah. like this motherfucker was educated and he was smoking that crack pipe. Sure. I'm going to be a Navy SEAL and, and the recruiters got hook, line, and sinker in it, right? Yeah. But then I rescued him from the jaws of defeat. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to be a fucking pilot in the Marine Corps.
0: Right. And fly something. Rotary wing, fixed wing, something cool, man. Oh,
1: no. He's smart as fuck. Like, we, so we got a whole flight program going on right now. We, I got another, I got a, another person to fly. I got six people in flight school right now. Like we'll get him in jets. He's too smart. Like he'll be flying jets. That's man.
0: outstanding. Yeah. You know, Brandon of software, yeah. Brandon Webb, you know, he's an avid pilot, bro. Like flew through the Bermuda triangle. And, yeah. yeah like, all yeah. sorts of stuff. dude. He flying all over the <laughs> place. So listen, yeah. Jake. So I reached out to some, Oh yeah, dude, he's all over the place and, and that's what makes him him. And we love that. And, uh, I just want to give him a shout out. And, uh, I got some questions that some of my friends and fans on, uh, on social media have asked me to ask a Navy SEAL, such as yourself, Jake. And so I'm going to ask you oh, a few shit. questions. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to hit you up, and um, hit, I'm just going to jump into it. So Aaron says, how can we civilians help our soldiers with PTSD? That's the first question. Uh, I'll give yeah. you, like, a minute to kind of hit on that.
1: Here's what I'm going to tell you, man. You can't help nobody with PTSD, all right. They have to go help themselves. And what I tell everybody, I, like I've rescued, we had to have an intervention on a motherfucker living in a tool shed in the middle of the fucking woods in Virginia for four years after three combat Marine tours. Okay. It ain't PTSD as much as it's CTE and traumatic brain injury. Okay. Right. It's not what you think it is. It's not the post-traumatic stress that's the problem. It's the fucking brain injury that's the problem. So if you want to help somebody that's hurting, get him in with all of the resources that are external to the military for brain health. There's also this awesome book called The Concussion Repair Manual, okay? I've been on The Concussion Repair Manual for four years now. I got a red light right here. So this this, this little thing right here is Thursday tomorrow will be on my head, okay? This right here, this red light and a Live O2 machine that I got in my backyard oxygen treatment thing have changed my life, right? Took all my fucking anxiety and my anger and all the PTSD and all the other shit I was having, TBI and CTE, and gives your brain the ability to repair itself every day, okay? So you asking me what you can do, you really can't do too much for the individual other than try to educate them about the concussion repair manual and helping them seek out some resources. Like, there's a couple fucking elucidogenic places down in Texas right across the border that are doing four-day MDNA trips that some of my heavy bangers swear by, right? Like, Sure. Like, they have been down to the farm and did a four-day ride on MDNA acid, basically, and came out. Right. And the one dude said he was, he was drinking so much, his liver was fucked up. He had heard about this place. He went down there and – he spent four days in a room tripping and shit. He said it was the craziest shit in the world. And he was at the bar flying home. And a guy said, hey, man, I'm going to buy you a beer, man. And he looked at him and said, I don't drink, man. No. Like, I don't drink. So there's some some other stuff you can do to help people with PTSD. But I ain't on the fucking party line. Like, they got all fucked up. They fucked up from CTE yeah. and brain injury. So you got to fix the brain yeah. first.
0: OK, that's awesome. That that's uh, That's great advice. Now let's go to Tony. Tony says, I'm gonna read this. If he would want to put on a jujitsu gi and come practice some murder yoga, nothing relieves stress like trying to strangle another human being with their own clothes. Are you into any of that style of uh, combatives? Do you do like any type of like martial arts or outside, you know, workout? I'm trying to think I'm gonna tell you this story, Red. <laughs> All
1: right, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you a story. Okay, so so I'm gonna caveat everything I say with. The last fight I've lost was in the seventh grade, okay? And I got the living shit beat out of me. Living shit beat out of me in seventh grade, okay? I was winning that fight until the brother, so I saw that little canvas white Nike coming into into my view, and that's the last thing i remember, okay? So when you get to the SEAL teams and you step into the NFL, like I talked about, I'm going to say you have this real natural fear of the unknown, Okay? You ain't never been in the fucking locker room. You ain't never been in the cage room. You, you ain't been on the range with these motherfuckers, so you don't know where you stack up. Okay, sure. So I wrestled in college, and when I first got to the SEAL teams, everybody found out I wrestled, and I'm a little short, motherfucker. Right, <laughs> five foot seven, two hundred pounds, and everybody wanted to take a test. Okay, they want to take the test. Sure. So I got there, and these moms were like, "There's," they had this thing called Fight Club. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at lunch in the boxing gym at Little Creek. It was Fight Club. So I'm like, yo, they'd be like, hey, Jake, man, we heard you can wrestle, man. Come over to Fight Club, bro. Come check. Hey, man, we'll be over there at lunch. I'm like, oh, man, I got I to gotta go run some errands, man. I'm checking in, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And so for six months, bro, like I was dodging the fuck up. Like, I got to get a haircut. <laughs> hey, Monday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, like at, at about 1130, I would try to make a dash for the pool. Just so I wasn't even in sure. the building, right? Like I couldn't, they couldn't find me because I was swimming at lunch. I started swimming at lunch. So fast forward about six months, I went out and did a couple work. I did a workup with a platoon as a safety officer. You start getting comfortable, right? And so then my boy Dale Wooden, one of my one of my buddies, man, checked in. He's an all-state wrestler from Idaho. And he came up to me one day and was like, yo, Jake, they're trying to get me to go to fight club. I was like, dude, they've been asking me for six months. I've been dodging these motherfuckers, heavy, bro. Come swimming. He was like, yo, come. <laughs> I said, come swimming with me. He's like, man. Now he was a fighter though. He was a boxer. Like he he knew how to fucking sure. throw. He had heavy hands, right? I'm not a boxer. Like I'm gonna have to wear your ass out on the ground and choke you out. Like I just I could punch you in the face fifty times. You'd be like, ah, oh, the motherfucker's stinging me and shit, right? Like I ain't I ain't knocking nobody <laughs> sure, out. Sure. So sure. he was kind of like, yo, let's go together. I was like, man, fuck. All right, fuck it. Let's go. So that was like Monday afternoon, right? They had just hit him up. So then we said, fuck it. We're going to go on Wednesday. So, dog, for 48 hours, I'm just like, y'all, I'm fixing to go in this fight club, man, with these Navy SEALs, man. Like, I'm going to go in this motherfucker, man. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to kill some motherfuckers, right? Like, I I know how to get ready to fight. Okay, I just know how to get ready to fuck right. people up. So we get over to the gym, man, and we in the car. We hydrating this shit, Gatorade. We like, yo, you ready to go? <laughs> they was like, fuck, man, whatever happens, man. Like, I'll drive you to the hospital. You drive me to the hospital, man. So we didn't know. Like, we knew no, nothing, nothing. We didn't know anything. I had no idea what the fuck was going on. So we go upstairs sure. to the boxing gym at Little Creek. And we were a little bit early. So we was up there, and we was just kind of, like, standing around, you know, like the fucking gumps. You know, getting ready to murk. we ready with the lambs just getting ready to get slaughtered, right? We in this motherfucker walking around. And the Navy SEALs, it was like four of them came in, and they had this big-ass duffel bag, man, like one of them big-ass karate or hockey duffel bags. You know, there's like seven. Like you can put a whole body in that motherfucker, okay? And so I was like, all right, sure. shit. They dumped that motherfucker out, and it was a bunch of bloody brown geehies in it. And I'm like, you thought I was like, oh, shit. Like, I was like, I almost stopped breathing. I almost died when they dumped the bag out, bro. It was just like 10 sets of Gihis that was just soaked in blood, dry, nasty-ass, blood-covered Gihis. And I, I looked at Dale. I said, Dale, this shit's real, bro. Like, like we fixing to have to go in here and fight for our fucking lives, man. I said, look, I'm, I'm going to try to kill him, motherfucker, Dale. Fuck this. So they gave us the Geez, right? And so I, I'm still like I, I'm like the first dude, they're like, all right, you know, hey Jay, come on, let's go. I said, hey man, what are the rules? And I was expecting that fight club shit, right? There are no fucking rules, dude. We fixing to kill you, man. He was like, Oh, like this is jujitsu, like there's no head striking. I was like, oh, no head striking. Hmm. Okay, no face. Okay, here we go. No (laughs) face, Bruh, I had learned a move. So, like, we learned a little judo in the Naval Academy. And the most gangster shit is the reverse fucking collar choke, right? So this dude came in and Mm. because you're a wrestler, when you touch another man, you know where he fall on the scale of savagery, right? Yes, I touched this dude. I said, oh, I touched this dude. I said, oh, this motherfucker's done, bruh. And boom, I choked him out like 10 seconds. Submitted him. Like just fucking, I got his collar choke on him instantly and put him to sleep, right? And I was like, oh, shit. Nah, I'm not trying to make it seem like I was cocky because I was scared out of my fucking pants, okay? So I got out of that one. Dale got in there. And Dale didn't understand how to choke people. So he got fucking choked and then he tapped out. When he came out, some other dudes went in there. So I told him, I said, listen, just wrestle these motherfuckers. Get behind them and choke them out any way you can. Just just choke the motherfuckers, right? Choke them out. So then yeah. I went back in, and the dude saw what I did to the other dude. So he kind of, we got on the ground, and he started to bend my arm, right? I didn't know nothing about jiu-jitsu. I just knew that my arm was going in the wrong direction. So I fucking jumped up and put my foot on his throat. And grabbed his gihi and just fucking pulled on his gihi and just choked him out with my foot. Like, just he went unconscious. And I was like, oh shit. Like, I came out of there like they got moves and shit, right? So I survived another right. one. Then went in there, he fucking wrestled the dude, choked him out. So the next dude, by now, started to get a little bit comfortable. I went in there and oh, Goshi, this dude just grabbed his sleeves, threw him up in the air. Fucking toss him, got behind a rear naked choke, just choked him asleep, right? So we get done, and these dudes are talking, like, oh, my God, you guys got to come back, man. You guys got to come back. I'm thinking to myself, I will never step foot in this motherfucker again. So we get down You just survived. Now. We were so stressed out. We sat in the car, leaned back for an hour and a half, just trying to get our, our fucking fight or flight reflex to go away, man. And we get back to the SEAL team, and every motherfucker in the world wanted to fight us, man. Like, oh, yeah. like, bro, we heard you was over there. We want to, we want a shot, man. Like, we want a shot. I was like, no, no. man. got, like, I don't know what happened over there, man. I got yeah. lucky, bro. Like, I was running from motherfuckers. And then about six months later, I stopped running. I just started mossing people, right? Like, you want a shot? Come on, let's go you know and then you just realize that they just like everybody else 99% of them really can't fight they didn't grow up fighting they just think they're navy seals they tough as shit and they right? could be tough so, as shit once i learned a couple <laughs> but there's techniques that you need to know once i learned a couple of yeah. like like submissions and i i really learned how to choke a motherfucker out where i wrestled in college bro like and, and i grew up fighting i got no i don't flinch in the breach i ain't worried about it like I'm going to try to and I'm going to like I'm going to hit you with so much raw aggression in the beginning. Like you you got the same thing we do. Right. Like violence of action, sure. bro. I'm not going to let you sit there and try to figure out this shit. I'm not going to dance with you. I'm not going to try to punch you. I'm going to get you on the ground and I'm going to fucking submit you. I'm going to choke you the fuck out. Yeah.
0: Tony, who asked that question, he's going to choke you the fuck out. <laughs> now, take, give him my fucking email.
1: Jake. So, hey, dog. We gotta do this shit. Soft rep can sponsor oh, this shit. You know it. I wanna challenge motherfucking internet. I wanna challenge internet fuckheads to fucking battle royals, bro. I'm 50, bro. Tell Tony, Tony. Jake at Gmail, fucking set the shit up. We record that shit for podcasts. I'll your ass on fucking National. <laughs> okay, TV, we'll put
0: that up to bitch. we'll see if we can make that happen, bro. That'd be dope, Tony. I know you I'm in, bro. I'm now check in. this out here. You know, I got all these haters threatening my life and shit. Come at them, dude. They want it. Jake.Zwig? Jake <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah,
1: Jake.Zwig at Gmail. Like, we'll set it up through podcasts. Tell Brandon, host a fight night, man. I'll take on, like, oh, five dude. fucking internet superheroes that think they can Maybe take you, me. Uh,
0: how would you feel about stepping in the ring for boxing? No, no, no you boxing. Sure. Some SAS? No boxing, boxing. some old SAS guys? No, no <laughs> boxing. <laughs> okay, Listen. Not standing in no ring boxing, nobody. So we got Chandler saying, but seriously, what do most guys think about Ukraine? Are they sharpening their swords as it were? You got any you got any tippets on Ukraine? Listen, okay?
1: Right now the SEAL teams have amassed the largest group of serial killers in the history of the United States, probably solidly we've been at war for 20 years. I would say like the special operations community at this point is solidly full of serial killers. Serial killers give two fucks who they kill. They just looking for the next gun. Okay. So Ukraine, China, Boko Haram in Africa, fucking, you know, Haji and the crew out in fucking the middle East. Don't really give two shits. Yeah, the sword is sharp. Know that. It's hard to have an unsharpened sword with all these fucking great ass operators we have in the fucking communities hey, right now. Awesome. So Okay, so the problem with Ukraine though, you're going against the Russia. Yeah, you are. You
0: are, yeah. Right? But Ukraine's got the Russians got they Russians just as good as yeah, we Ukraine's well. got a pretty healthy uh cachet of uh fighters as well. Like they're a pretty, you know, large military organization and they're they're getting uh, infused by, you know, education. So now let me go to here. Okay, so River Myers, I'm gonna call your last name out, bro, because you're my homie. He's like, so he's former Marine Corps from Hawaii. What do you think about Marines, he says, and then he laughs, LOL. How ready do you think USA as a whole is? Oh, so when it comes to Russia, and again, I think you just answered that. Let's go back to his first question. What do you think about Marines? Because there's this Marine... Is a part of the, so the Navy. Marine Corps is fucking awesome, man. Yeah, like, that's what's up. That's what's up.
1: No, I don't, I mean, I don't worry about that. The Marine Corps is a fucking awesome organization, right? Like, I don't like to send nobody to the Marine Corps because they got their fucking issues. But as far as being an individual Marine, like I got a fucking ton of individual Marines. My my son's named after a Marine, right? My son's name is Douglas, I mean, sorry, Zimbeck Douglas Wig, named after Douglas Alexander Zimbeck, the Lion of Fallujah. <sighs> Like, I love the motherfucking – I'm Marine. I tell everybody, man, if you fucking American, I love I love that. Love
0: you, I love I'm that. Great answer.
1: Right? Like, the Marine Corps? Like, I got all, – there's all sorts of Marine Corps SEALs. Like, I give two fucks. Yeah, right? Right? As long as you a good dude, you on the fucking <laughs> you're a good bus. good dude, If bro. you suck, we we'll throw you off the fucking
0: bus. And, River, I just want to say shout-out to him as a listener soft rep, and he'll listen to this. Shout-out to you, homie. I'm glad to know you as a Marine as well. Now, let me jump into Juan. Juan here says, why do they have name tags – on the back of their pants. Uh, In the Navy, you guys have name tags on your back pants?
1: I really don't know why they
0: have name tags. Yeah, I know this.
1: My dude, Ryan Angle, ran behind me for fucking eight months of buds, 10 months of (laughs) buds. And I asked him one day how to spell my name. He said, hey, motherfucker, I watched your name bounce up and down on your ass for fucking 10 months. I was like, that's good That's a good good Good
0: point. (laughs) point. Good point. All right, let's see here. James. Yeah, I got no idea what a fucking... Yeah, right? It's probably for when you're like, in like the motor and the head and like the motor or working on something and you're bent down and they're like, who's down working on the equipment? Your head's like an ostrich.
1: When I got in the SEAL teams, I had one uniform with my name on
0: one. And it was on your back pocket though. Right.
1: And it didn't have my name on no, the back it then. Uh-huh. No, just, just, just regular right across BDUs your... on my front pocket. That's I had one uniform with my name on. I flew on an aircraft carrier in a fucking flight suit with no insignia, no rank And still had the Velcro patch over the fucking little Velcro cover with a caveman helmet on. It's a purple Chuck Taylor. That's how I travel. Purple Chuck Taylor's,
0: bro. Dope. Yeah, bro. Let's see here. James Van Wagner says, What was the hardest part about SEAL training that you found was the most beneficial and had the most application that prepared you for in the field? So, the hardest part that prepared you for in the field?
1: Nothing in SEAL training prepared me for the field. Okay. Nothing. Nothing in SEAL training other than, like, maybe drown-proofing and passing out. Yeah. But I tell everybody, like, I wrestled in college. Wrestling in college was 10 times harder than anything in fucking SEAL training. Growing up in my house chopping wood for 24 fucking hours on a 24-hour wood permit on Fort Lewis was harder than any damn butts, right? Being six years old and having to split wood for fucking 24 hours and your dad saying, dad, dad I'm tired, go lay down. And you lay down, you wake up, that motherfucker's still splitting wood, and you get up, and you looking around at 6, and there ain't nothing else to do but fucking swing the all and hit the wedge and cut wood, right? Like, I, a lot of motherfuckers don't believe me, but, like, like when I got the buzz, I was 100% out of shape. I fucking ran every night. Like, buzz fucking sucked. And it was the hardest thing I ever did because it was ten months long. Did you get
0: to go home at night, or did you have to but stay a day in? Like it was. Stay every night in a tent or like in a hooch, like they show in movies, or did you? And you're in okay. the barracks.
1: You live in the barracks, man. You done it like six every night. Okay, okay. But like, it's not like that. I tell people wrestling in college was ten times harder than buds, ten times, because you don't get no food. You trying to beat another man. You losing mm-hmm. weight. You working out six, seven hours a day. Like, it's just harder, man. Like, buzz is a... If I had went to buzz in shape, I wouldn't even say it was the hardest thing I ever did. I would have said, fuck, it was training. That's all it was. It wasn't that big a
0: deal. Okay, great. That's awesome. Thank you for answering that. Let's go to Emily. So Emily here, and a shout-out to her sister who's dealing with stage four uh, breast cancer, by the way. Elizabeth, we love you, and I hope that this gets to you and you hear that, that we do love you and fight hard, homie. Emily says... What does he wish civilians knew? Like one thing. That's what she's just saying that you chose. Yeah. Like for me, maybe I chose the job.
1: (laughs) So the biggest thing that I wish civilians understood is the true sacrifice that it takes to do, to serve in the military across the board. Right. Like special operations is a different level of commitment, but you know, like, we've been at war for 20 years, man. We got a lot of motherfuckers that gave a lot of blood for this country. And that's the part, like, the sacrifice to their families, to their friends, to the country. I wish that part could be portrayed to the everyday U.S. citizen, you know, that, like, I wish, like, part of me, we I talk to my boys, man. I wish everybody had to go in, like, like Israel and do two years. Sure. Because then you would have like you would know, you know, like we have so many fucking liberal ass shitheads in this country that just they don't know, man. So I just wish that everybody had an appreciation for how much sacrifice a service member has to give to this country to be successful and keep us safe. Yeah, I think it's
0: both sides of the fence should serve. You know what I'm saying? Like give it both sides. Um, You know, I knew a lot of guys that would uh, be liberal with their ketchup. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and still have a cool demeanor about, like, their AK, you know. And uh, I think that it goes on both sides. They should all serve, you know, or at least raise their hand. Oh,
1: everybody. I'm not just talking talk about the liberals. Everybody oh, 100%. should serve, right? Every fucking
0: American should oh, serve. and I agree. Start, and I, and I love you? your sentiment. Like, hey, man, if you're a positive American, you're on the bus, bro. <laughs> That's what's up, dude.
1: Yeah. And I, the other uh, thing is, like, I don't think anybody that goes to combat should ever have to pay taxes no. again.
0: I agree with that.
1: Like flat out. Like if you go to combat, your combat action ribbon comes with a free pass Agreed. for taxes for it comes with a fifteen
0: percent off at the weed dispensary. You know. <laughs> if you're a veteran, you can go get your discount.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like
0: like all that <laughs> dumb shit. No. Your Look, recruiter's like, you're gonna join the military. No fucking taxes. You're fight for, for, life. for another country, and when you get out, you get a discount at the dispensary, bro. And at Home Depot. <laughs> Check this out. Yeah. Yeah, for 15% you get the smoke, off. Just show your ID. So here we go. I got a friend. Tell me, let's see, Ryan, he says, tell me your favorite classified mission you went on if you went on one. <laughs> no
1: classified okay. missions ever.
0: He's got a lot of emojis on that question. I will say this. A that, lot of people are like, like,
1: like, like. I will say this. We have so much shit that you wouldn't believe
0: any of it if I told you. Uh, amen to that. I hear that. Let's jump to Samantha. I've got probably about six more questions to throw at you here. So Samantha is in England. And she is also awesome. She's tough. She would make your football team because she just kicked cancer's ass, by the way. What is the most mentally gotcha. challenging part on becoming and being a Navy SEAL? She wants to hear that because she just kicked cancer's ass. What do you think was either physically or mentally challenging for you? So that's the easiest part of it. That's the
1: easiest question in the world. First of all, Samantha, I just want to remind you that the United States kicked your ass and. In- that's why we're in <laughs> the United States and you lost the war, just in case you're wondering. So, getting up in the morning, the first two seconds as your alarm went off were the hardest mental thing that I had to do every day. And so, I set my alarm so I only had like 20 seconds. And I would grab, I had all my clothes pre-staged. I would slide down this light pole into formation, butt naked every morning. And I was the OIC, the officer in charge of my class. So I would just get dressed in formation while everybody's getting their shit in order. Because if I had any more than about 20 seconds, man, like, it was fucking hell. Like, the first day I got up, like, 10 minutes early and was like, oh, man, fuck, I'm going to get kicked in the nuts all day, man. Like, fuck. And I was like, yo, we can't do this. So I just set my alarm with 20 seconds. I shaved in about 10 seconds, grabbed my clothes, ran out my door, slid down the pole, got dressed in formation. Like, two minutes later, we sitting on the beach doing a sur-ops report, you know? So... Getting up in the morning and just starting the day was the hardest thing by far
0: 10 times over. Thank you for telling me that. Now, you said pole. Is there really like a Ghostbusters pole you guys are sliding down? Is that what I'm thinking? Yeah, yeah. It
1: was fucking awesome, bro. Well, I slid down, and not not nobody else did. But it was like a light pole for the, <laughs> the little courtyard, uh, and you, you just ran off the end of the fucking – off the little handrail, like a cement handrail around the edge. You just – like leaned over, grabbed the pole, slid down the fire pole and shit. Like <laughs> that's how I got the formation every day. That's awesome.
0: Butt naked. Okay, so his name's Gaz. Is the army and the navy doing all they can to help vets adjust to civilian life? And I think Gaz is also out of maybe Ireland or the UK, hitting us up. So I reach a lot of people.
1: <laughs> I would say this, Gaz. Like in, in all honesty, pretty much everybody getting out right now with combat got 100% VA. So that little $3,800 check is fat. There are a lot more programs now, but I think we live in Western medicine. And until we get over to Chinese medicine, where it's fucking effective and it's not drug-based, I don't think you're doing everything you can, right? Like, I'm not on no drugs right now, and my brain's clearer than it was when I was 25 years old. But I got to work at it. I got to work on my brain health. Yeah, but day. I think
0: that... Uh... And so... To agree with you, to agree with you, not not just to interrupt thrills before pills, you know, finding what you thrive off of having a going outside and breathing fresh air and just going for a hike in your area, you know, is going to help you. I think also mentally I I snowboard. I find that to be mentally clearing for me, going up on the mountains, riding in powder and just having that solitude with myself. Even if my wife's riding with me, I'm still kind of separate from her in my own head space. Yeah. Yeah. I would make your football
1: yeah. team. Yeah, I'm not I'm not down on what we're doing. We got a lot of great programs. We just we pill-based, brother. And until we get off that pill-based fucking mentality, I don't
0: think we're doing That's What's we up? Can and I, I will make your football team. Let's see here. I'll show you. I'll yeah, show brother, you.
1: Hey, I'll give you that Navy SEAL shit, rad. You'd make a great SEAL. Oh, oh, I'll seal. tell you
0: right now. Water. I got some quality H2O, bro. Let me tell you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> I'd crush it for you. You would see. I'd get real angry real quick. Okay, here we go. We got an Airman, Shelby. He says, "What helped you make it through the training? How can some prepare themselves?" I think you talked about you just showed up. You gave it every day's attention and you just didn't want to wake up, but you did it and you and you pushed yourself through it and you drowned yourself and you know, is there any other piece of advice that you would give someone that maybe wants to go from the Air Force to the SEALs? Don't be a complete pussy. There you go.
1: So, you know, I tell everybody, man, like, like you better do a fucking self-inventory of how tough you are before you go. And I tell everybody, like, I had a motherfucker tell me he was a short order cook and how fucking hard it was. And I say, yeah, short order cook is hard, okay? But that ain't the same as working fucking construction in Wisconsin 24, you know, 12 days far a, 12, 12 months mm-hmm. a year. Ain't the fucking same. Ain't the same as working a concrete crew laying fucking asphalt or fucking cement in fucking Texas all summer. Ain't the same. No. You know? And so I tell everybody, man, you you better have a fucking, a serious talk with yourself on toughness and be honest with yourself because the delusionalness will get you chipping paint on 32nd Street. You'd be a fucking chip painter. I'm dealing with a dude right now, his next door neighbor, told him not to go in, try out a sealed contract, wasn't even close to fucking ready. And now he's trying to fucking figure out how to get out of his six-year fucking enlistment because he chipping paint on 32nd Street on his yep, ship. Yeah,
0: because he's need of the Navy at that point. Because you go in as your SEAL contract, Absolutely. but they're like, oh, hey, you didn't make it even you know through pre-BUDS or whatever in boot camp. And now you just fall into a need of the Navy. And you got to be ready to give yourself that.
1: Yep. So I would tell everybody, man, just be honest with yourself. Like, like all that preparation shit, like, the fastest runner and the fastest swimmer always quit. Period. So get a fucking construction job for a year or two and toughen your ass up a little bit.
0: Oh, that's a great. That's that's awesome. Now, let me ask you, Jacob here. He is a high level tech at a company for a seat. He's like high level tech guy. He says, can the mental toughness to become a seal be taught or do some just have it and others don't? You know, probably that wake up and get it done attitude. Mental toughness. What do you see?
1: So here's what I'm going to tell you on that. I'm going to give you two sides of that coin. I was a complete fucking pussy up until about five years old, five and a half, when I got my hellion-ass stepdad. Okay, I was being raised by my grandfather and my grandmother. My grandfather it was a not really a tough person. He was a, a business person, right? My grandmother was tough, but I was just a little fucking snot-nosed kid that wasn't very—I wasn't tough. Right. But then I started hanging out with a fucking maniac and I just wanted to hang out with dude, you know, like, and pretty soon, you know, you digging dishes for fucking four days because we don't have the money to pay the plumber to fix our our water main that broke. And then pretty soon, you know, you, you, you're eight years old. This motherfucker left me in the woods for fucking two days. Okay. Like, like, and pretty soon you like, fuck, like I'm getting fucked. Like, and you don't realize it. Right. So I tell people like, Like the only way to get tough is to do tough shit. And all these fucking, all these like, I don't want to call them little fucking pansy boys, but all these little pansy people that think that you can read a book and get fucking mentally tough, or you can do this and get mentally tough. Like if you want to, like if you're a fucking tech dude and you want to be mentally tough, then you better start doing some hard ass fucking shit.
0: Yeah. Like do tough shit, like lifting heavy things and moving them or you know, taking shingles up on your shoulder or moving tongs of brick up, construction scaffolding every five days a week, <laughs> you know, to uh, harden yourself so that you have that. I like what you said. When you touch someone, you can tell if they've got, like, that core, you know, like, are they going to come at me or not, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, bro. And that's yeah. wrestling, right? So I, I here's a story about touching somebody, okay? So Zimbeck, Douglas Alexander Zimbeck was my wrestling partner. Well, I was his wrestling partner, right? So I wrestled for two years at the Naval Academy. But I tell this story. So his name is Zimbeck. My name is Zwig. My roommate's name was Weller. And then we had White, who was a running back on the football team. So all four of us were W's and Z's, and we were in a fire. Our first training block in the Marine Corps after plebe year, we were in a fire team, okay? So I'm standing in line, and Zimbeck's in front of me. I'm the last person in line, and I had been hearing about this dude was a good wrestler. And dudes like six foot two, maybe 180, stringy, just lengthy ass, gorilla arms, hairy ass back. I'm like, this little motherfucker here can't wrestle. So I was like, hey man, are you that wrestler? He was like, yeah, I'm fucking Doug Zimbeck, man. I was like, Doug Zimbeck, huh? I said, you don't look like you can fucking wrestle, bud. He was like, I'll fucking wrestle you right Hell now. Yeah. I said, man, I'm about to. Yeah, I'm about to beat your fucking ass. Let's go over here to this grass. So we walked over to the grass, and I I got my little wrestling stance. We in BDUs, right, Boots? We about to wrestle. As soon as he touched me, I was like, hey, man, we good. He was like, what? I said, listen, two lions ain't got to fight to know that we both lions. I said, we good. Let's let's get our ass back in line. And he looked at me. He was like, man, I like that. I said, yeah, bro, we good, man. Dapped him up and shit. We got back in line, and then we ended up in the fire team. But, bro, like, as soon as he touched me, I knew that motherfucker yeah.
0: was real. Yeah, you like, right off the bat.
1: You know, he's two-time all America. But ain't no real. Like, you don't need to – you ain't got to fight to prove it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know this motherfucker, you you real. Like, everything I heard was
0: true. Yeah, you, you got good. it. You, yeah, you own so, it. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, okay, so Preston. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Preston was in the Army. He says, do you still make your bed every morning? Question mark.
1: Preston. So let me tell you something, right? You know, there's that that bed-making story, how to start your day off the right way. I think making a bed is the dumbest fucking thing in the world. I have never made my bed, okay? I didn't make my bed at the Naval Academy. I made my bed at the beginning of the semester. I tied my whole bed together with shirt stays. (laughs) And then I rolled out another bed on top of my bed. And every morning I just rolled my fucking bed up and put it in my locker. I never made my bed one time at the Naval Academy. So it just stayed made. So I have never made my bed and Yeah, it just stayed made the whole fucking time. So I don't believe in making your bed. I think that's one of the biggest wastes of time in life. Okay. And if I if making my bed my bed sets me up for success in life for the day, then then I'm fucked up.
0: <laughs> I'm fucked up. I at least pull my comforter over the bed. Just to have it look. I don't do hospital corners still, but I still pull my comforter over.
1: Why the fuck would you do that, Rad? You gotta put now. You gotta pull it back to get back in that. Yeah, motherfucker. but it's
0: not all squished and twisted on the side. Like my wife got out of bed, I get out of bed. Man, I look, just fluff it.
1: Look, I don't even butt, unbutton my fucking. Oh, bro, I'm, I'm gonna make your football the team. I'm making your me.
0: football team. You'll see. I'll be on that team.
1: Cause I make I make them button my button-down shirts up when they put them back on the hangers. And leave the top two buttons on so I can pull them on <laughs> like a T-shirt. Because I hate fucking buttons. You're just like, but I got, I got
0: 10 seconds to shave. I got 10 seconds to muster. I'm sliding down a fucking pole. Give me two buttons open on my top. I got it on. I yep. got you. So now, okay, Chris, listen, here's another question. Chris, Chris hits me up. I'm going to, this is the last question. Okay, so he has a two-part question. How accurate is G.I. Jane and share an experience from your active duty that SEAL training did not prepare you for? So let's ask that first one, the second one first, which is share an experience from your active duty that SEAL training did not prepare you for. Now, Chris is an author and he writes books and I do know who he is. What do you think that would be? Again, share an experience from your active duty that SEAL training did not prepare you for. What were you not prepared for that all of a sudden, oh shit, there I was.
1: I'm going to say this, right? And it's, it's not from the SEAL teams, okay? It's from being a deck officer on a ship. Mm. You cannot be prepared for the leadership situations that you're going to be put in, in the Navy. And so I had one of my chiefs on my ship. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but his wife got murdered and both his kids got murdered. I'm sorry, two out of his four kids got murdered in this like love square thing. And like, it might have been the worst thing I'd ever experienced, and, like, like, it was just bad all around, man, and I remember like, the captain called me in and was like, look, you don't, you're not doing this, I'll take care of it, right? And, like, you can't be prepared for how to deal with other people's tragedy until you get in the military, man, like, you know, just shit happens in the military to military members that, I mean, I've been out, man, I've been out for fucking 20 years now, and some of the shit I saw in the Six years I was in the navy. Still, ain't even you know like that shit. Like the shit on the outside world don't mm. even compare to that. Don't even
0: fucking yeah. That's that's the- you know. And I
1: don't know if it's a subsection of a
0: yeah. You know yeah. What prepares you for for that calamity to have happened to you? You know, you're like I bow face, left face, right face, stern, aft. What do you mean four people were killed in a love triangle? And now I've got to console my chief petty officer or whoever he is. Four. Oh, four. Wait, wait, wait! What? He his lost wife. his
1: wife. He lost two oh, of yeah. his kids. The other dude, all four of them, were chiefs. The other chief killed his wife and his three kids, and then blew so his eight. head. Up. Holy! And he's going home now. And he got two kids left.
0: Totally, just a broken person. Like, like. I'm sorry for you that may listen to this. I
1: mean, I, I, I mean, fuck. I, I don't. You know, I just I think about it from my perspective now with my yeah. kids. Right, something happened, and someone came here and killed my wife and two of my kids, and I got one fucking kid to raise, I, I, man. Family. Like, bro, like I'm taking... I'm selling everything I fucking have, and I'm moving to a cabin in Montana to raise my son and myself kind of in solitude. I mean, what else are you going to gonna do? Life. That's like the way right, of the like,
0: monk. you know? It's like, I'm just going to go, peace out, man. I don't even want to do it. Yeah,
1: because how are you going to leave your son alone how Yeah, well, how, why right? would like, you? How it's are like, you I gonna, got you. Yeah, like, how... How are you gonna be able to function as the as the caregiver and the provider of your family when you just let some shit happen to three of your people and your you know, like that's how I think about that shit now?
0: Like, man. Yeah, that's crazy. That's so, crazy. Well, I hope that answers your question, Chris. Uh, you know, sometimes life just throws you the curveball whether you're completely ready to catch it or not, and or hit it or miss the swing. And it's just like up to you to, to just own that. So Okay, so again, do you have thanks for going through the To the questions that everybody asked me, I think they're going to love to hear you actually replying to their, their questions of what would you ask a Navy SEAL? And uh, do you have anything coming up? Anything you want to talk about? Do you have any, anything that you want to shout out to any type of a charity that you want to be known about?
1: Nah, So uh, we got a nonprofit rolling down the tracks, but I can't talk about that too much. Always Troops Direct, man. Great, great charity out there. Troops Direct. Sends our frontline soldiers top of the line gear that the military won't buy them or they need the military can't procure. I'm on the board of directors over there, man. They sent my dude down range. He's working for a fucking three letter agency. Send them $4,500 worth of gear troop direct.
0: Need. It's called you know, true care.
1: magnifier troops, direct
0: troops, direct.
1: You can Google it. Great charity yeah, out awesome, there, man.
0: Dude.
1: Yeah. Troops direct. And then, you know, we got the, the Navy seal masterclass that's rolling. Like, I'm really doing it just so I can I can mentor more kids without me actually having to talk to them. We got a world-class land navigation class up there, man, $19.
0: You got a website for that? I got it
1: that? priced at $19. Just jakeswig.com. So you go on jakeswig.com. It's up there. The land nav class is part of the Navy SEAL class, but you can get it standalone. all like
0: topography? Um, it's
1: country land nav. I teach the
0: whole nine yards and everything?
1: Yeah, bro. The terrain contour and topography. Hard resets, soft resets, waypoints, right? Like, I teach it, like, you don't need a compass. You know, you use your knuckles? Yeah, brother, you don't need a compass, you know?
0: The whole saddle.
1: Yeah, I teach it that way, but but really, you know, like, I tell people, once you understand what street signs look like in the wild, you don't need a compass, you don't need shit, man. Okay, I'm going to walk to this street. You are badass in the wild, bro. Yeah. yeah, so I got all that shit, man. You can find all that shit on jakeswig.com. I mean, other than that, I'm i I'm entrepreneured up right now. I work about twenty hours a day hustling on this uh on this shit I got going and rolling. I got in trouble today for yelling at some shit. I wasn't yelling at nobody, but I'm really loud. So I got in trouble today. I gotta dial it back down and, and get back in the wheelhouse of just being calm, cool, and collective.
0: Constructive criticism. Hustling and sleeping. Me too. We I sling. take it that as constructive criticism.
1: Yeah, bro, you know I'm just really loud, man. And when shit wrong, I'm gonna yeah. fucking tell you, you know? So operate at a different level, man. So I just got to realize that average people do average shit every day and that's why they fucking average. So I just got to let them be average and make sure I keep my shit airtight so I can be fucking world class.
0: That's what's up. Now, is there any way that, uh, do you play any uh, video games? Is there anything that is like just, you're hitting that game every now and then? What's up? You got a video game of choice? Uh, I play Fortnite probably every night for the most part. Like
1: I try to get a game or two in to relax a little bit, check out, you know, I tell I tell everybody, man. Like, you know, I grew up in them late early '80s with Nintendo, and so video games was new. And now this shit, damn near real. It's like fuck. It's like addicting, you know. So I just play two games, little PC shit. I stay away from Xbox, and because I never would function in life if I had an Xbox. Or oh, like bro, P6 I'll tell 60s.
0: you what. It's like seizures with your thumbs with those joysticks. I'm sitting there playing someone on a PC platform in Fortnite or uh, Call of Duty, and it's like. I think I'm shooting him, but <laughs> I'm all over the place with my thumbs, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. That whole mouse life, you know, on yeah, PC, and like A W S D F. It's like spacebar, spacebar, spacebar. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm rolling on the PC, bro. I'm not. I'm not some savage. I'm alright. C4 pet and rolling around on C4 pet.
0: Fortnite. C4 pet. All right, that's good. That's good. Petting,
1: petting. You like know what petting, petting is? A llama. Oh. Explosive. No, petting. P E T. Yeah, you said C4. Petting.
0: C4 and Petten. C4 and Petten. P-E-T-N. Petten. P-E-T-N. Okay, well, uh, if you're out there and you want to go hunt down or fight with uh, Jake, look him up. C4 Petten. Yeah,
1: jump on YouTube, right? We dropping knowledge on YouTube for all the people trying to be military dudes. Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Army Rangers, Marslock Marines, like my fucking YouTube channel is rolling at this point. We started to do a lot of good stuff we kind of deviated from what we were doing. We're not interviewing successful people. Lately, we've been interviewing failures, and this shit's fucking hitting, man, because you're going to hear grown-ass men fucking choking up about why they quit, how they quit, how they weren't prepared. You know, and it's, it's crazy because it's resonating a lot more with my group of young people because they all think they're ready, and they listening to a motherfucker that's a million miles more ready than they were, and he talking about folding, sure. you know, so... Well- over on my YouTube channel is fucking started to catch a little bit of fire. We caught fire like two years ago, man. We're doing like 30, 40,000 views a video, but then I got put on moratorium because I couldn't post for 10 months. So
0: we hitting on some other shit with these failures. You know, it's cool. That is cool. That is cool. And that's a good motivation because life isn't perfect and you can't have success without having failures. So it's just what it is, you know, whether it's relationships, business. It's, uh, you know, and that's just what you grow from. So I just want to say that this first soft rep radio that I get to drop with you has just been awesome. I'm a huge fan of yours. I loved how you were just so, you know, clever to make those sunglasses on Dude, You're Screwed. I thought that was just among other things, okay, that you did. I don't want to give them away because I want people to go watch it.
1: Hey, hey, Rev, Funny-ass shit, right? So when I made them sunglasses, I was just fucking happy. The, 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 my eyes weren't getting burned out of my head, right? Right. But then when I watched the TV show, I left that big-ass piece of belt on one side. Oh. I'm like, damn, dog, you, you could have looked cool as shit if you had just cut that big-ass piece. I had the belt, the belt, like, extended all the way to the back yeah. of my head. I'm like, oh, man, because I don't be thinking about no vanity no. shit, right? I'm a functional but after you look at it, you're like, shit, oh, I could have tweaked it. Every time I see it, i would be laughing and shit, because I had a big-ass piece of belt hanging off the side of my head. You wore the teddy bear, you know, always around your neck.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. I just want to say. Teddy bear was solid till that motherfucker got wet. Oh, rat. yeah, right? Then it became just nothing. <laughs> yeah, when I slept on a teddy yeah. bear in a cave, rad.
1: I slept good. Bro. Well, you were off the ground. I was like, I mean, it was warm.
0: I said you were off uh-huh. the ground,
1: right? Yeah, but like I slept on top of it. It was warm in that little cave. Like I slept like a baby, man. Now the next night on that geothermal, ooh, ooh, I had to live in that mud puddle all night, man. I wasn't a happy no, camper, no, man.
0: No, and, and you guys are tough, bro. And uh, I think that I've just had a delightful experience with you. I just want you to know that. It's been really nice.
1: I appreciate it, bro. I had a good time talking to you And don't think too, this man. is
0: probably the only time we'll ever have it. I'm going to hit you up for another one and we'll do another episode with you and get caught up with what's up with Jake and, you know, pull you back on the soft Rap radio. And I just want to say thanks to everyone that's given a listen, especially you, the listener and those of you that specifically asked questions and engaged with us on social media. I'm going to put another question out for another guest. And then you guys can go ahead and reply back and let me know what kind of questions you want me to ask. I think I'm going to be doing like a four star soon. So we'll get some questions with him. Like, do you use your dispensary discount, sir?
1: Awesome, bro. <laughs> hey, red, make sure you tell Brandon the fucking web to make sure that he set up fucking uh, hater fight night on software, bro. I'm all in. I've been trying to figure out, i am trying to find somebody to sponsor hater fight night. And I'm like, yo, cause I know I could get some haters to show up. But I want to film the whole thing when they shit their pants, when I get my hands on them and fucking beat their ass in the
0: fight and night on soft rep. Brandon.
1: So tell BW that I'm looking for that. I'm, I'm looking for that opportunity to fucking someone to sponsor the fucking hate, internet haterade fight night, Jake's witch. Well, there you style. go,
0: Brandon. The ball's in your court, bro. Make it happen. I know you got it. I know you can. I know you yeah. can, bro. I believe in you. We all do. So with that said, I'm going to wind down this episode with jake's wig go check out jakezwig.com and that's with a z on his last name so you go check that out and check out his youtube and you know i'm your host for soft rep radio now and this is rad and uh i just want to say thanks so much for jake and uh you guys all have a rocking good time peace You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio.